he actually came out and apologised yeah. after the game on Twitter. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, where does that stop? You know, what are we going to have Johnny Sexton text next week? Oh, sorry, I'm really sorry I missed that kick. Like, I, I just don't understand why mm. players feel the need to. If we if we take, which I think on face value, that every player is going out to do their best. Of course. Mm. Um, this idea that we're going to have this public contrition on social media for errors. I said, where does it stop? Joe presents House of Rugby. United Rugby Championship, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Welcome back to House of Rugby, URC. Unfortunately, only a handful of URC games to to look back on this week, guys, but there is the small matter of the Six Nations. As always, I'm joined by the lovely Megan Williams. Megan, did you watch Rugby the weekend? What do you think of it? No, I didn't watch any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to say it no. uh, Brilliant game. So It was unbelievable. I really, really enjoyed it. They're exceptional. It's great to be back in the studio. It's really starting to feel like things are really getting back to normal. Crowds back and yeah. you just feel the bars and the vibe, um, you know, over in the screen. There. I was watching it at home and, yeah, it's staying warm. Staying warm, <laughs> it was, staying uh, warm. really good. Brilliant, brilliant. And... As always, my good friend, the man who single-handedly dragged Ireland all the way to the Olympics, the Olympic <laughs> hero himself, Mr. Greg O'Shea. Oh, the lads love hearing that one, yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks very much for that, man. I appreciate it. Good to see you as well, Jason. Yep. Underdressed as always. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we have a great guest this week. Um, and Leinster, Irish, Lions International with 62 caps and a hero of mine growing up. Dennis Hick, you're very welcome. Thanks, Greg. Nice to meet you. Lovely to meet nice you. Nice to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you. It's good to have you. But um, we've got some questions for you, obviously, as we do with our guests. Um, they're not too hard, don't worry, but we're going to keep them for a, a later mm. part in the show. But we're going to kick things, kick things off with uh, the small matter of Ireland and Wales. We know. Huge win. 29-7. Yeah. Greg, first of all, I think that you were going to say that you were going to eat your hat if you heard that Matt Hansen was going to start the game. No. The commentator's curse in reverse. Yeah. So, Dennis, last week I said that, oh, it's like, Mac Hansen probably won't get any time. I just can't see him getting getting in the squad with like, yeah. the likes of Keith Earls and Conway and everyone. So he starts, first of all. Obviously, it was like, oh my God, Greg, you're such an idiot. But that was a shock for everyone that he got to start. That's it was kind of the talking That's point. Yeah. And then the man goes out and gets player of the match. I know. <laughs> like, what do I know? Do you know what I mean? So I publicly want to apologise to Mac Hansen. Um, you had an incredible game and I wasn't doubting your ability. It was just I was doubting you had no experience. And now you're probably the best t- player in the Irish squad at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So uh, sorry, Mac. <laughs> what, what did you make uh, of Mac Hansen, Dennis? I mean, I, I think there's a lot of similarities there maybe in yourself. The fact that he's a guy that's got like ridiculous speed, but very good footwork, very balanced winger. Um, he seems to have a lot. He seems to have it all, doesn't he? I thought yesterday for a guy who's playing his first international, obviously he's a very talented player. He can play in lots of different positions. He's regarded as a kind of a ball-playing uh, winger. He's very comfortable with the ball. He's got a left boot. Um, but it's still quite a big step up to play your first international. You know, he's he's obviously been going well with Connacht and Connacht have been going well. But even still, I think the most impressive thing about his performance yesterday was that he just... he. He got a lot of touches very early on in the game and he kept involved and Ireland kept him involved, but he was very calm, very uh, at ease with the ball, uh, distributing. It came off his wing a lot. He did a lot of trailing, so he was there for, for, for passes out the back. Um, and, you know, he got a touch early on in the match as well, which I think really got him into it. Uh, but, you know, he was very cool under pressure, lovely pass for Bundyaki's try. 
just seemed very natural and very uh, relaxed and certainly well well able to play at that level. His first touch of the uh, the game really put him into the match, build his confidence for himself and his, and his team. A few stats from the game as well. Uh, for the rugby nerds, he um, had the most carries in the match, 103 metres off 10 carries, three clean breaks, and he assisted that try, like you said, Dennis, for Bundy as well, which was fantastic. Yeah, he would have got most of those metres in the first run he had in the game. He yeah. ran about 50 metres at that, which was some reaction because Johnny Sexton tried to kick it through and he just it bounced back and he caught it, which showed that he was really mentally in the game yeah. really from day, from day one or minute one, um, which was really like contrasting to Louis Rees-Samet. I thought Rees-Samet had a really poor game. What did you make Yeah, of I'm not sure. He didn't look like he was fit. Yeah, I, I think they were saying even in the warm-up he would, he would get a bit of treatment on his ankle. He just didn't look 100%. But like I think as well, you know, to be fair to Louis uh, Rees-Amit, they had no go for a ball. He barely got any ball. And it was, wasn't was a, you know, you, like you were there. Yeah. Weather was pretty miserable. It was lashing rain. And um, Wales were just on the back foot the whole time. So, like, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Mac Hansel is going to have tougher uh, tests, particularly if he plays next week yeah. against France, uh, when, you know, Ireland will will won't have it their own way like the way they had uh, against Wales yesterday so it's going to be it's going to be different uh, big like a, 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 I think a much more different type of game for players like Mac Hansen but I think the the fact that he was able to get involved so much off the ball uh, you know we talked about obviously the, the his involvement in the Bundyaki try but he, he also he played a big part I think in the uh, second Conway try yeah I mean at the ball mm. at the back to him really nice hands, was able to distribute and just look really comfortable uh, with the ball. And, and I know Johnny Sexton afterwards was, was talking about him, uh, that he's very comfortable in different positions and uh, you could see why. Yeah. Yeah, Dikesh, we have a clip here of uh, Johnny Sexton and um, Andy Farrell speaking about McKenzie and just how good his debut was. Yeah, really, really impressed. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy, um, which is the most important thing. Uh, he's bedded in really well into the group um, and he's... His performance speaks for itself. You know, you, you sometimes guys like himself, I compared him to Lowy a bit in terms of the fact that guys that are so elusive and, and good at breaking tackles, they, they sometimes don't shine in training too often because that their strengths, you know, we're often not doing full contact. And you saw how many tackles he broke uh, this evening. Um, so he, he's going to shine in those games. And, and we'd seen him for Connacht and, and he brought that into the international arena. And, and He's got a game that's that's made for international rugby, so hopefully he continues to to grow with us. And um, yeah, it's a great start from. Yeah, some some lovely words there from 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 the, the head coach there and his captain. But uh, something I noticed what Hanson as well. I think a really really strong part of his game is he takes the ball hard to the line every single time, and he draws that defender in and throws the pass last second. Mm. Like that's two things there. Number one. He's willing to get smashed, and he's not the biggest of players. And two, his 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 hands are unbelievable. He's like this really really small channels, and to get them that pass out like just inside. As I know, it's it's risky, but he didn't get caught once yesterday. Yeah. It's higher as high reward. He brings it really really close to the line. Um, but uh, what you were saying earlier, Dennis, was that he kept really busy, which I was impressed with. The whole, like I kept watching because I was a player camping him after me saying all that last week. I was like, let's see how well this guy actually plays. And he's coming in off his wing. The amount of times he showed up out the mm. back off Sexton and, and um, there was one time I don't know if you noticed that he tracked all the way across off his wing and tackled a Welsh player in the corner and then made his way all the way back like that kind of work rate is just that's what you need at the international level isn't it? Yeah like I, I th yeah, absolutely but I, I also think as well the, the Farrell game plan that we're, we're seeing uh, kind of developing in, 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 in front of our eyes over these over this particularly this season 
um, has been, uh, you know, much more use of the wider channels um, and and the, the ball at the back, having ball players like him at the back um, and Conway and uh, obviously Keenan as well. But it gives them uh, just a lot more involvement in the game. And uh, kind of that's that's the uh, one of the biggest changes I've seen probably in, in the far game plan versus the Schmidt uh, game plan, which was... Uh, I also often sometimes, even though Ireland were always winning and incredibly successful, sometimes you felt that the um, the roles of the, of the back three players were were um, much more, maybe a little bit more limited, mm. um, and they seem to have more of a kind of roving role mandate, mm. uh, which suits players like them. Do you wish you played in that Farrell setup? Well, I wouldn't mind playing any of those setups because they're all <laughs> highly successful. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think I would have minded playing uh, under Joe Schmidt era because that was a uh, that was a uh, incredibly successful era. But yeah. it it just seems whatever way the the squad seems to be at the moment, they seem to be a very happy squad, very content oh. squad. Yeah. Um, they were very vociferous, I thought, in their defensive of Farrell at the start when kind of people were questioning, well, you know, is this just going to be a, a version of Joe Schmidt's game plan, just mm-hmm. not as effective without Joe Schmidt? But he, he, he's, he's, he's clearly taken them in a different direction and yeah. um, he's built on a lot of the excellent mm-hmm. uh, um, game plans and, and plays that they had under Schmidt and he's, he's taken to his own direction and the players really seem to have bought into it and the senior players in particular so they seem like a pretty happy yeah. squad. I, I do think it's really refreshing to see their style of play all this out the back and stuff like you mm. didn't really see that in Ireland like back when you were playing mm. obviously you, you, really good styles of play but this is more like fluid and they seem to be having fun and mm. trying things Fast and so and many busy. options. Like, and like, yeah. the, like the forwards really playing like backs like mm. even exactly. Tyler yeah. Furlong's ball behind the back mm. there to Sexton to draw mm. in that. Um, yeah. It, it helps like, when you look at the, the pack that they have. Like, they're huge. such a dynamic pack. Like It helps when, you, mm. when you're dealing with, like when you've got guys like Porter and Furlong there and then you've got, you know, like it's it's ridiculous. So, yeah. I just wanted to yeah. just go back there a second. I meant to ask you, just um, in terms of a winger's finish, I don't know, I, I, I don't know how, why this wasn't spoken about more yesterday and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Andrew Conway's first try. Mm. To me, I don't think you will find a better winger's finish in yeah. international rugby than what he had to do there. I mean, first of all, it wasn't the best of passes. He kind of has to slide in on his right knee. He has to take the pass. He has to use his hips to get back up off his left from a standing start and sprint around three men and then reach <laughs> out and touch it down. Yeah, it's he had a lot of work to do. Yeah, a huge amount of work to do. He, he's kind of one of these very, very industrious players, uh, Andrew Conway. And uh, again, he was a player who was in and around the fringes when Schmidt was... Uh, uh, the coach and he's kind of finding his place in the team a little bit more under under Farrell. Um, he's very competitive um, in the air, very competitive with the ball, uh, and without the ball, you know, he's he's a, he's abrasive, he's aggressive. He he he. I think he defends as uh, well, but he had a lot of work to do yesterday mm-hmm. for that try. And um, I just thought for a split second that the, the ref was going to say he came up short, but it was a good use of the TMO. And yeah, it was really obviously the Welsh defenders. I think would be probably a bit annoyed that they they uh, didn't they, they didn't yet. stop because you know he was able to get in underneath them. Um, but he showed great power and mm. uh, a, a reach for not the biggest uh, winger in the world rugby to be able yeah, to reach exactly. and just get out. I was, I was very impressed with Conway back when I was in the academy. So I spent three years in the academy while Conway was in the senior team. Mm. And what I noticed with him is that his basics were just so good, like his pass his tackling, his high ball. I remember specifically Razzy Rasmus said one time in a meeting that Andrew Conway's high ball skills are so good that we see it as nearly a set piece, like putting up a Gary Owen because the yeah. chances of him, his stats for getting the ball back was just like mm. top notch. It was nearly as good as having a line out or a scrum. So it just shows the basics and he's made himself probably, what, first choice winger for the right yeah. side? Well, he probably is at the moment. Like, like they, they, if everyone's back fit, it'll be interesting to see what way 
the back three unfolds because you've got yeah. Earls, um, you've obviously got Lowe to come back, you've got Hansen. You definitely wouldn't um, want to be a winger in that team at the moment. What? <laughs> you definitely wouldn't want to be a yeah. winger in that Irish team at the moment. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you, you, you see other players who were in and around the um, uh, the squad uh, in the build-up, like Balakoon, no, uh, no. Hume as well, Larry. Yeah. So, and obviously, um, sorry, Hume's in, in the midfield, but Larry. Um, so they have, they, have a, they have a huge strength and depth all of a sudden there in, in, in the back three, even though there are a couple of guys maybe who haven't who haven't uh, yeah. had a chance to step up yet Definitely. if you get a chance that you, you get a feeling that they'll, they'll they get a shot this year yeah. what about the atmosphere at the game actually Greg you were at the game I mean it's the first time we've had a full crowd in a Six Nations game in two years Yeah. was it electric inside there man it was incredible like, even just the build up like walking around Lansdowne Road and everyone was just in such a good mood and it was raining it was windy it actually was a pretty cold day but everyone was just smiling just having just to be happy to be out again and I know that we had a full stadium back when we played New Zealand at the end mm -hmm. of last year but yeah. there's something different about this I think the Six Nations just Six brings yeah. it's nothing bigger than the Six there's Nations. a trophy at the end of it you know, and Ireland are in a really good spot now to maybe win the thing I know we probably won't get ahead of ourselves yeah. here but we are in a really good spot there's also visiting fans you know I think that's the difference in yeah. Six Nations where you had Welsh fans around the city you know I was in around the city yesterday morning and you know you saw the you know the, the the scarves and the jerseys yeah. and people over the weekend and you kind of forget we haven't yeah. seen that in a couple actually of years. Actually, good few of them there, wasn't it? There was yeah. a good contingent there of Welsh fans. It was Irish, Welsh, and there was a lot of French people actually. Yeah. Weirdly enough, so I was doing <laughs> interviews beforehand, and there was all these groups of friends. I was like, "What are you doing here?" Spies. Like, yeah, they were. <laughs> and they were all so nice, so they just wanted to come experience Ireland, have a pint of Guinness, and have a bar, go to the match, and then shout for France today. So uh, it's pretty cool to see all the international people. Yeah, there. I know. I was really impressed um, with the captain, obviously Johnny Sexton. He had another phenomenal game. Mm. Um, Dennis, what, how do you feel like he's going to be getting on for the rest of the campaign? It's great to see Joe Carby come on at 60 minutes. Yeah, like I, I think one of the things more heartening uh, uh, elements of yesterday's performance is that I, I got the sense, probably for the first time in a while, that that as as pivotal that Johnny Sexton is to everything that Ireland do, and you know, he's obviously so much of their game is built around him. You do get a feeling that the squad is is more is more and more balanced, yes. and their game is is um, their game isn't uh, hinging as much on certain key individuals. Uh, but you know that's not to say when he plays that clearly they're they, they they can get to a different level. And I just think the drive he gives them in around the pitch and the focus and the control uh, and the execution of 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 all the plays that go in and around him. Um, he just runs that, that that element of the game for them so well. So he's, he's clearly he's a, he's a, he's a key man, um, and he had another strong, really really great uh, great day mm. yesterday. Uncharacteristically missing from the tee though twice early on. Man. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the, but the, yeah, he did miss. But then when he saw those, uh, those two kicks in the wind when he the bent, banana, the banana kicks, incredible, yeah, yeah. That was incredible skills. That's, that's that was incredible. He adapted well, in fairness to yeah. him. Do you think I he meant it? I thought someone else who was really important yesterday as well, who just seems to be getting better and better in an Ireland jersey, is Gibson Park. He just brings that extra element of speed to every rock, and he's just so lively. And he kind of it, it's infectious with the rest of the backline, yeah. and it, it makes a huge difference. And like, it's no offense to Conor Murray, like they're a very different scrum half, mm. yeah. but it's nice to have someone like him who's going to come in and blow a team, blow a team socks off for, for 50 minutes, and then someone like a general, like Conor Murray is like you know the, the old-fashioned French scrum half, the general come off the bench and just tidy things up. But, yeah. I think Gibson Park suits the way that Farrell's game plan is at the moment. Like you said, it is really busy, really fast, and that's the type of player he is. Mm. Whereas Conor Murray isn't as much as that. Mm. 
Mm. Do you know? Yeah, I know. I really liked the way Gibson Park, when we'd make a break yesterday, yeah. he'd get to the rock instantly and he'd chip it over and he'd cause carnage for the back three. Mm. Like Louis Reed Samet's a Lions winger and he couldn't deal with the little chips in behind. He yeah. only messed up two or three times. So, mm. yeah, I think that's what Gibson Park brings is that speed and then Murray coming in off the bench just to finish it off. I'm sure Murray now would want to be starting, but it just seems like that's the best yeah. kind of way it is at the moment. What do you think? Yeah, Dennis? like I, I think I agree with everything that, uh, that's been said. He's He gets the ball, he moves, gets the ball away from the base very quickly um and he's uh, he, he's always a threat himself as well so mm. um i thought that you know there's there's a couple of opportunities i think ireland will look back at um a couple of opportunities they had probably in and around the base of the rook where he was able to gibson park was kind of able to move across and the welsh pillar defenders were kind of following him i think they they could have uh, gone under under him a few times and, and and there was certainly a few holes so he keeps that defense um very busy you know mm -hmm. and uh, it'll be interesting to see how france cope because obviously they got sean edwards as a defence coach, and um, they'd be better organised than Wales were yesterday. Yeah, like Doris and Vandy Flair, I think were setting the time, big time with that that defence. They were really, really strong yeah. and putting Wales under a lot mm -hmm. of pressure. How yeah. good was Vandy Flair yesterday? So oh good. Oh, he's added that carrying uh, ability to his game as well. Like, and yeah. he's just. Uh, He's the all around seven now at the moment. Like, mm. and the, I think personally, he's Ireland's most improved player in the last twelve months. But yeah. anyone else that stood off you, Dennis? I mean, I know for me, I think have to, we always have to give a special mention. I think we're sick of talking of the front row. That front three mm -hmm. again was absolutely ridiculous. But yeah. anyone would stand out to you I, in particular? I think um, the a player who is uh, who pressed me particularly in November, and he kind of had a tough year last year because he missed the Lions. Um, has been ring rolls. Yeah. Like he was immense against New Zealand. Uh, I was sitting in um, the area where uh, he pulled off an incredible hit on on Barrett, who came through. Yeah. You know, he was going in for for a try right in the corner, and it was a massive hit. Mm. And um, like Barrett took it a full tilt and ring roll. You, because obviously being at the game, you could see you know the play moved on and ring rolls really it's took days, a while to get yeah. up. But he just, he was tough as nails, yeah. and uh, I thought he's kind of built on that performance because mm. um, he was brilliant throughout that game. I thought mm. against New Zealand, but he was really good yesterday. I was delighted to see him get a try because he's um, he's hyper competitive. Uh, he's uh, a, a very good distributor of the ball. Um, and he's another guy, as I said, he had a tough year last year, mm. but uh, he's, he's so far this season, he's been a real key man for Yeah, him. he's been great. He, he had two big injuries last year. He had a shoulder operation, mm. then he broke his jaw. Yeah. And he's, I think he's so pivotal to the Irish backline, but yeah. people don't really talk about it as much as like, oh, Johnny, with Johnny this, Johnny yeah. that. Johnny's class. But I think Ring, Ring Rose is doing such little minute details in defence, like reading. Yeah. Like you don't see the Irish backline getting opened up at all. No, no, no yeah. I, the defence is very good. And, and like a guy I thought was... You know, I'd say uh, Hume, uh, who's playing so well for Ulster this year, um, mm. like in any other season or any other, you know, uh, squad, certainly in recent times, mm. he, he he probably would have got a shot. Mm. But I think it's because Ringo's was so good in November. Obviously, Leinster have been going very well. Yeah. And uh, I'd say that was a, that was a call that um, uh, Farrell was uh, happy, I'd say, that Ringo's mm. repaid his fate. Because I'd say mm. he was under pressure mm. um, yeah. uh, to, to pick Hume because Hume has been playing so well mm. for Ulster this year. And what do you think about next week with Henshaw coming back into the mix? Yeah, like it's it's a it's a it'll be a different it'll be a different challenge. Um, I'm not sure that they'll change the centre partnership. 
Um, I put him on the bench maybe being mm. instead of Hume I mean it's crazy to yeah. think you're saying there Hume's playing well and mm. Ringrose playing well Aki was one of the best players you've got <laughs> the Irish well. player yeah. of the year and the starting British and Irish line <laughs> yeah. 13 still to come in yeah I, I, I think he will come in um, mm. for that reason because he's so competitive and uh, he was excellent in the Lions last year like yeah. he really was a standout player I thought um, so I would expect to see him uh, come in I think he's a key man in the squad as well I think he's you know a very senior player when you go to Paris you need, uh, you need. Yeah, yeah. It's a different, yeah. it's a different environment than playing at home and maybe the first game of the season. So, you know, it would be, and not that he, I don't think he would. He, not, I'm not saying he wouldn't be up to the to, to the task him if he got a shot in Paris or anywhere uh, based on his form. But I think it'll be around those sort of key selections where you've got that experience between the, those three, mm. uh, one of them on the bench coming off because it will be an attritional game in mm. France. Yeah. And you know, if you see the French midfield, Vakatar and um, Fiku. Two huge men, mm. um, so uh, yeah, it, uh, it'll be a much uh, much bigger challenge than they got yesterday. Can we, can we take much from that game? I and mean, we can't really, I suppose. I mean, Wales weren't great; they were missing a lot of players. It, just, it mm. says a lot for them. They're, they're going to have a, a tricky tournament, but I mean, at the same time, we didn't really get out of first or second gear, and we made a lot of mistakes. Well, see, and the we only, the only kind of dark cloud really of that game was points being left out. Do you think mm. Ireland could have scored and probably should have scored a bit more? Yeah, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't uh, um, underplay how bad the weather was yesterday. I think mm. that, like, it was very slippy. I thought that the, the skill level and the the lack of errors for Ireland was was quite remarkable considering the um, the conditions. But you, you you do have to look at Wales and say, okay, they had they had um, I think something like a combined loss of six hundred and fifty caps. Guys, yeah. very very experienced players. I think it was I heard a stat before the match was that it was the first time either Ken Owens or Alan Wynne Jones hadn't played. For Wales, one of them hadn't been playing since 2006. Mm. So, um, you know, when you take out leaders of that sort of experience, um, I think that was always going to be a very, very yeah. tough game for uh, Wales. And they just don't have the strength and depth yeah. of the moment. A lot of people miss were... Alan Wynne Jones, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would have. Yeah. But like, there was there was some there was some other kind of key players as well, just not there for them. Mm. Um, yeah, but a lot of John people were James saying that well. like uh, Wales are depleted. They had so many injuries with like Tipperick, Alan Wynne Jones, George North. They had such a good uh, squad Hannibal on Ormes. the pitch, though. Like 13 players that started against the Australia game that they won 29-28 yeah. their last fixture were playing yesterday yeah. so like yeah. they weren't they had a good team out there oh it's still a good team that's, that's, I think you can look at it one way and go oh no Ireland left a lot of points behind them you can say Wales missed on players but at the end of the day it was still a good Wales team it was the Six Nations you didn't really get out of first gear you made mistakes you still won with a bonus point <laughs> do you know yeah. the bonus point was was it, it was it was certainly telling that both Farrell and um, Johnny Sexton said the, the highlight was the bonus point because in this, the way this tournament is, it's quite huge. Isn't, it's 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 uh, you know picking up a bonus point against um, you know Scotland or France or England. Okay, people will probably think most most teams will have a shot at, at a bonus point against Italy, mm. um, given where they are in their development versus the other teams. Mm. But I'm not uh, you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a foregone conclusion that every team is going to pick up a bonus point against Wales, yeah. for example. No, definitely so not. To get that bonus point. Um, again, in those conditions, even though, as dominant as they were, is is yeah. uh, is key for Ireland, particularly when it comes down to those points difference. Another impressive element of it was that if it wasn't for the try that they popped up and intercepted there at the end, mm. it would have kept Wales to nil, mm. which yeah. was really impressive for the defensive system as well. Like mm. so, yeah, that was just a, it was just, it was an error. It was just, okay, it was the end of the game. I think they were kind of. 
let the, the foot off the, the gas as small mm. bit and he kind of just was tie burn it was a loose pass yeah. wasn't it so yeah. I wouldn't look too much into that but I exactly, should yeah, yeah. it probably should have been nil yeah. which is, you know? which is until I, I can just you've, you've given yourself a curse now the last week it'll be uh, it'll be uh, come down to points difference in the championship <laughs> and you'll be yeah. saying you that try in that last minute against Wales <laughs> could you imagine it yeah. that, that's what's going to happen you know yeah. So yeah, you, you confident happens. with them going to Paris next week then yeah, I'd be interested to see how France go today, but uh, France for me are, you know, are, 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 are a fantastic team, and you know, as, as strong as Ireland were in November, France were every, every bit as strong, yeah. and they've got a fantastic squad. They've got a fantastic group of players, and um, you know, they've got probably the most exciting player in the world, Rugby and Dupont. Uh, if the, you know, if, if, if between himself and Furlong, the two best, I would say. Obviously, clearly not. They're not. Uh, they're not. Uh, Competitors uh, in their <laughs> various positions, but I saw Furlong on that pass yesterday. I mean, some of the stuff he was nah, doing. Like, so he can, he's got a few yeah. highlights himself, you know. Yeah, it's an evening game, I think, as well, isn't it? Five. I'm just getting. Obviously, yeah. we'll have the score by the end of this. Like, so we're filming this on a Sunday. It's only 11 10 now to France, just approaching yeah. half time. Yeah, yeah. Time well. So yeah. there isn't a whole lot in. So fair play, Italy. Yeah, no, it's fair play, Italy. But it'll be. I think it's an evening kickoff in, in Paris next mm. week, or it's a, it's the last game. So it'll be an electric atmosphere. The Paris French, factor is going to be. Killer, yeah, French yeah. rugby is is kind of riding high as well, and people are getting in behind the team in France probably in a way that they didn't when Saint-André was a coach there was a lot of disillusionment I think between mm. where the national team sat in the pecking order versus mm. the league yep. but I think between Laporte and Galtier they've just created something about the French side which you know it'll be it'll be the game everyone wants to watch next yeah. week yeah. Well, the French seem to be playing with a lot of freedom which so I'm really looking forward to next week because Ireland seems to be playing with a lot of freedom mm. as well Definitely. but they're not the only teams in the Six Nations there was also another game yesterday Scotland v England and Scotland got a great win at home which I kind of expected them to get but did you think oh, Ireland, you'd love to Scotland see England lose don't you yeah <laughs> <laughs> come on the main man here 20 points to 17 to Scotland yeah great yeah, it was um, it was I'm not sure I saw I'm not sure I saw Scotland winning the game um, because I just thought England might have a bit too much power for them as the yeah. game wore on. And even with 20 minutes to go, I thought, okay, Scotland being incredibly competitive and, you know, they rode their luck a little bit. They scored, you know, obviously a fantastic try in the first half. But I thought England were just going to be able to turn the screw a bit on them with their with their bench. Uh, so the fact that they were able to uh, get the win was, um, uh, was incredible for them. Albeit in circumstances that that you know they got the they got the decisions yesterday you know yeah. two big decisions. Yeah. It's the first win in thirty eight years, is it? Against so England? it's their first time retaining the Calcutta Cup, so winning it yeah. back to back for winning it two, twice. Okay. So they won it. They beat them last year, but it's yeah. the first time in thirty four years that they've, back they've back, won yeah. back to back Calcutta Cups. But look, looking at the game itself, so obviously we know England were missing a lot of players into the game, and Scotland had a few guys injured as well. Mm. But you could see very tense game, first 10, 15 minutes. It's England Scotland fan back. It's a raucous Murray Field. But uh, it kind of opened up that Darcy Graham made an absolutely incredible record. Ben White was only on as a blood sub for, for Ali Price, but uh, what do you make of Darcy Graham? Like, to me, I, I was saying it before we, we came on camera, I think he's the closest thing we've seen to a Shane Williams-style mm. back-through player in a long time. Just, yeah, he's lightning fast. Like, yeah. I remember, he, I think he got capped maybe two years ago was his first match, uh, first season, and uh, as a very, like, maybe he was 20, I think. But even then, he had serious pace and um, he's now established himself in the team. Maitland was keeping him out for a while, a more experienced player. Uh, but he was fantastic yesterday. He's just so fast. And the, fra- the back three for Scotland are so quick at the moment. Mm. Um, and it just they're very, very dangerous between Vandermeer and um, Hogg. And Hog, you know. So their, their, their game plan is therefore built around getting them the ball. And uh, the try yesterday, the line, obviously Hogg, 
created a bit of um, a momentum but the line Darcy Graham took and then his footwork was and his not just his footwork I think his his awareness and his composure because he you know trying to go in and out and he's still still, still able to give the pass Um, and it was great it was a great like any any kind of scrum half Mm. and young scrum half looking at play certainly one of the um, the angles you could see the great trail work that uh, he was uh, he picked up for the inside line so it was a brilliant try it was was. Um, another great try in that game Max Smith scored an absolute cracker I mean Mm. the pace in which he hits that line he's a serious player and he's getting better and better and I I think like on any other day like he could have been on the win inside like but Mm. it came down to did he score the majority of the points he did yeah he did he scored the majority of the points but like it did come down to in the end into a decision and I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, everyone's thoughts on it. Like it's I think most people agree it was it, it was a penalty try. So kick came across, Luke County goes up, you'll see it. He makes no attempt. He actually does that. Which the is the first thing, because I don't know why, because he could have caught it. That, that, that's yeah. the, I think if you like, get two hands to slap it, you can get two hands to catch it. Yeah. Pretty bizarre. It's just a rush of bullets. That's, that's what I'd say. I'd say it was rushed as in like it was a yeah. brain fart as we call mm-hmm. it in Ireland, like yeah. essentially. But yeah, I mean, like maybe. Darcy wouldn't wouldn't have Mitch Darcy wouldn't have caught it, but I think in terms of the fact that it was a professional foul, yeah. the referee is looking at that. He's taken him out of the equation, so he's imagining he's not there. If Darcy Graham is standing on the wing on his own and the ball is kicked across him nine yeah. times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, he's catching that, he's scoring in the corner. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, yeah, like I, 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 when the when the ref gave the penalty try, I said, okay, that's you know, you you could argue it both ways. I think if he hadn't given the penalty try, I don't think. Everyone would have been convinced it was a penalty try. You right. know? I think it was he, the referee. He looked back the rationale. He was very clear on why he'd given the penalty try. Um, but you know, it was a wet and muddy day. There was there was going to be a contest in the air for the ball, um, and uh, so you know he, he gave the penalty try. But if he hadn't, I wouldn't have been. Yeah. I wouldn't have been that. Uh, wouldn't yeah. have been that. Wouldn't have out of Scotland safe, so the referee. He might have got out of Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, 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 if the, well, if he given the penalty in the scrum at the end, he certainly would have got out of Scotland. But yeah. I think England. Were, it, I, I had the right to feel a bit aggrieved of that because, mm. um, like the scrum wheeled around that the, the, uh, that scrum, he'd, and he'd already told uh, uh, I think Youngs to take it out, and he gave him another shot at it, yeah. and then England had to use the ball. Um, because it was a second uh, second reset, yeah, uh, mm. and he was shouting at him to use it. He really didn't want didn't mm. want him to have to make a decision. As soon as the ball was at the back, yeah. he was saying, "You got to use it, use it." Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why he has to use it. Why did he have to use it? Mm. Like the referee, t- like shouting at you to, to, to use the ball when the scrum was rock solid. I don't know why. Yeah. What the obligation is to take the ball out there? Yeah. So I think he was he was hoping that he wouldn't have to make. I think a that tough brings decision. us back to our point earlier on about the home games, and you know, when we mm. go off to France next week, if it does come down to and it's a three or four point game. When you're a referee or a TMO in that yeah. position, if if there is real yeah. like if it's like okay, give Ireland a penalty, it should be a penalty, and they're yeah. trailing by two points, you're not going to get that decision. Yeah. Whereas you've a much better chance of getting that decision in Dublin. Yeah. Well, that's that's the, you know that's what I mean. A, that's the, that's what home and away is all about. You know, yeah. it's these kind of you know referees are they're they're doing their best and they're they're but they're human as well and so it's, you know, it's hard not to be influenced by yeah. what's going on. Of course, on it's, it's natural. It's natural. Yeah, but it's great. one thing, sorry, what's important to mention before we yeah. move on was yeah. Luke Cowan Dickey. Um, he actually came out and apologised yeah. after the game on Twitter. Yeah. Do you think is there a need for that, or is it's that just ridiculous. the way we're gone? You don't like you just get it. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like where does that stop? You know, what are we going to have Johnny Sexton text next week? Oh, sorry, I'm really sorry I missed that kick. Like I, I just don't understand why mm. players feel the need to. It's, it's happening a lot yeah, recently, like, even with Bondiaki. But, but if, we, if, we, if we take, which I think on face value, that every player is going out to do their best. Of course. Mm. Um, he was one of the best players on the pitch. And going to be mistakes. Other than that, yeah. Uh, this idea that we're going to have this public, um, you know, uh, public sort of contrition 
on social media for errors. I said, where does it stop? So I just yeah, think, it's, I thought it was totally ridiculous. It's gone a bit yeah, far now, even right. with the whole Razzy Erasmus thing over the summer. Do you think they're being pressured into this so though? Are they being pressured no. into this by the media or is it still no, them? It's just them thinking, choice, I though. have to do it. Like. Yeah, it's their own choice. But the thing, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if World Rugby bring in ruling now to stop players like having opinions on social media about stuff because it's it's going to go too far now. When you have directors of rugby from South Africa, you doing wonder it. if people, you know, the coaching staff or the management are pressuring them to maybe do it. Yeah. Do they do it. Is it in the like, They do it like where you're not allowed to tweet after the games. Yeah. They, well, they have rules in the IRFU as well. You're not allowed to uh, do social media 24 hours before, 24 hours after. Yeah, we had that. Yeah, but um, it's just it, it, it's uh, yeah. it's just unnecessary. You yeah. know, people are free to do whatever they want, and this is the world we're living in. But. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think uh, it's good enough to be able to say to your teammates, listen, I've messed up there, than to have to issue yeah. public apologies that no one's looking for. Yeah, but as yeah. I said there, like yeah. because when you have the, the head of South African rugby doing it, when he came out and did the 60-minute video yeah. about the ref, and then he's tweeting, like, as if he's just sitting at home, like, just messing away. Like, it's just, it seems to be that it's gone a little bit too far and it's making a muggery of the whole thing. And in fairness, Luke Cowan-Dickey, yes, he's coming out and apologising. He hasn't done anything bad. But oh, no, no, yeah, like I, I don't. Yeah, I, I think you're right to point that out. I don't think there's an equivalence between what Erasmus did during the summer mm-hmm. and what he's doing. Like you know, it's 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 probably well-meaning. Uh, I it's think it opens up the conversation too yeah. much for them. It probably yeah. puts the the light back onto them. Yeah. Whereas if you just left it, people yeah. would just be forgetting about it. We well, wouldn't be t- speaking about it yeah. as much yeah. today. Do you know, yeah. like yeah. Dennis is right. We're all human. Like you're you're an athlete. Like he did not go out there to do that on purpose. No, he made a mistake that. in the game. Like, every, every, yesterday, he didn't game. need to come out and tell us. Ever watching the game? Of the game. I'd be I'd be interested to see. I would love to know, sir, because we're never going to know. But you'd be interested to know what people like what Eddie Jones thinks of that. Yeah, yeah. What he's going to do with there. So, but yeah, I don't know. It's Listen, it's the, yeah, I hope it's not. The, I hope it's not a sign of things to come. Yeah, so it's, been, it's, been, it's been a few times at this stage. Uh, what, what, what do we think of Scotland as a whole? I mean, that's yeah, a big win for them. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, do we think Scotland? <laughs> like, I hear a lot of people saying that if if there's ever a year for Scotland to win it, with the back line that they have, with the forwards that they have, do you think? Should we honestly consider them as contenders? Oh, 100%. Like, we were only talking about it before the show, just saying they've been getting better and better. We forget how many players that they have in the URC who are performing like. Mm. Week in, week out, and um, yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying the, the style of the rugby that they're playing at the moment. It's fast, um, it's strong, and I'm, I'm delighted yeah. that they beat England. Well, they're, they're, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're born in England. I as know. Well. It's so funny. Um, but yeah. uh, their provincial rugby is really good. Edinburgh's playing yes. really well. Yeah. They're were at top the top. Uh, Ulster's gone top now, I think, yeah. since yesterday. Yeah. Um, and Glasgow are incredible as well. Yeah. But what I was speaking to my mates yesterday after the match, it's really cool now that. Like when people go to Murrayfield, they're not just guaranteed a win. Like when you're mm. playing Scotland, it used to be like Scotland, Italy, you'll get two wins, and then it's between the other four nations. Like back when you were playing, it was probably a bit like that as well. But now Scotland are properly contenders. Like. I'd be afraid of Scotland coming over to the Eva, let's be honest with you. Yeah. The style of rugby they play, to be honest with you, I think they could. They could yeah. cause an upset. I don't know if they're going to they? they? win, but I think they'll get. They're... I think, I think um, they're. You know, Scotland have flattered to deceive in recent years. Uh, you know, they. they they beat England and they beat France last year, but they finished, I don't know, mm. mid-table, even fourth yeah. even in the championship. So they, third, they, yeah. they they won games that people probably thought they shouldn't have won and they lost games that people thought they should never have lost. Mm. Um, and um, so the, getting the consistency and particularly away from home has been, will be their next challenge, you know. To, so, you know, winning against England, the old enemy, they're right up for the game. They deserve to win. Um but you know it's a long tournament to go. They've got to go into Wales. Wales won't be playing like that again next week, no. um, and uh, so that'll be a, kind of a whole different set of challenges. And and you know they'll be they'll be teams will be very wary of playing Scotland, mm. so they'll play accordingly. I think one of the 
the things that they they don't have compared right where they'd be weaker to Ireland. They just I don't think they have the same level of ball carriers in the front up front. Yes, mm. Ireland have so many ball carriers now, and that's that's what's changed the game. I think so much for uh, it, like they they have a whole front row who can carry the ball, a very hand, a very. Um, very comfortable with the ball, and likewise the back row, everyone's a ball-carrying option, which probably wasn't even the case four years ago in Ireland, no, five years not. ago. Yeah. And I think that's where Scotland don't have that same Especially level. Especially five. They don't have a good tight five. They do, and they don't have you know big ball-playing uh, tight five. They're they're big units, I suppose, and they're, they're, they were certainly effective yesterday, keeping the English uh, aid at bay, but um, that'll be the next step up for them, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you make of England's performance yesterday? I think um, I was a bit surprised with their tactics. I think they kicked really poorly. Both, you know, I think when you're saying a team kicks poorly, I think you're talking about their their decision making and when to kick. There, there was some, you know, you talk about Luke Cowan Dickey apologising, uh, <laughs> but uh, the one I think he should apologise more if he was if he was concerned about apologising, he put a kick through at some point <laughs> when he was, uh, I think, about 17 or 18 minutes, and like England were attacking uh, and in good attacking position. He Get finds himself right. in second receiver and kicks it, kicks it dead. I think. I he was or, or, or yeah, or kicked it in and, and uh, yeah, exactly, kicked it to the dead ball line and it was it was picked up, and um, but that was kind of symptomatic, I think, of of England's of uh, of England's kicking game yesterday. They didn't kick well, uh, and uh, they didn't pick the best times to kick. So I thought they were a little bit disjointed, and the problem is, I think, when you're playing Scotland, particularly at home, when Scotland got to half time and they were, it was very competitive. It was going to be a very difficult second half for for mm-hmm. um, for uh, for them. So I, I was I was a little bit disappointed by their tactics or their execution yesterday. They're still, you know, they've they've a really strong squad. They'd be really hard to beat in Twickenham, yeah. and uh, they're going to be they're going to be better next time, mate. Yeah, without Farrell and without Tulangi, I thought Marcus Smith was incredible yesterday. You yeah. said Megan, he scored all the points. All the points. His, yeah. his vision for that try was really good. He stepped up and nearly got all his kicks. Yeah. It shows he really has a good bit of bottle for how young he is. He's so he's so much pace. Like yeah. it's just it's it's such a it's such a leveler, you know. If you've got a guy who who at, at playing in that position, who can come onto the ball at that sort of pace, they really it's have not, to respect him. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just it's very very difficult to to mark, particularly as the game builds through phases and you get to third and fourth phase and there's forwards and in places that they shouldn't be and the defenses are less organised. If you've got a, your first receiver who's so dangerous but so comfortable taking the ball to the line and, yeah. and laying it off as well. So, he, yeah, he makes more clean breaks than any other ten in the world at the moment, I think. Yeah, and he's he's only learn like he's only he's still only learning um, international rugby, so he's going to be he's going to yeah. be a big star. And do you think England still have a chance to win the Six Nations? I I, I wouldn't I don't like it's it's Johnny Saxon I think summed it up very well yesterday. He said uh, uh, in his press conference he said you know this time last year, you know you lose your first match. Your, your triple crown is gone, Grand Slam is gone, mm. you know, maybe a, champ, a shot at the championship, but you're really scrambling after a first loss. Um, uh, but it can be done. It can be done. Like, be, yeah. like will, will, will there be a Grand Slam this year? Um, so. It's going to be, you know, this, it's so competitive. You think this mightn't be the year there'll be a Grand Slam mm. because there's so, there's so much, uh, um, um, so many strong teams. But we probably didn't think that last year when Wales won the Grand Slam. So. Yeah. That's great. Well, plenty more Six Nations to come. We're looking forward to it. But there was URC as well in the weekend that we will get onto. Ulster were playing. But before that, we might as well get to know our guests a little bit better. So we have 10 <laughs> questions for you, Dennis. Ten I hope you're all right okay. with that. I'll kick it off. Um, so we have a question in from Billy, whoever Billy is. He wants to know <laughs> who is the best player that you've played with on and off the field? So, on and off the field. Yeah, so it's kind of two elements there. Who's the best crack, really, and then <laughs> who was the best player? <laughs> um, and they don't necessarily have to be the same don't person. Don't have to be I'm the sure. same person. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. Put um, you on the spot there now. 
Yeah, that is a that's a tricky one. I, I, I was lucky, I would say, to play in you know, some very successful teams with some of Ireland's greatest players. You know, over the last ten years, fifteen yeah. years, uh, you know, people like Keith Wood, who was an incredible player, like a world player, um, and probably you know wasn't on a, a team that was as successful as subsequent teams. Um, so he was certainly a, a um, an incredible all rounder, a guy who you would imagine would excel in in any era. I'd say um, Paul O'Connell, Raj, uh, but but you know Shane Horgan is, was a was probably maybe in the off the off the pitch uh, play. I'd probably say Shane Horgan. Shane Horgan, really, yeah. Match, very off. I had a couple of man of the match. He had a couple of man of the match performances, certainly. Uh, um, uh, off the pitch <laughs> as well as on the pitch, but um, uh, yeah. but I like I, I obviously played with Brian uh, in a club and and uh, international, and it's it's hard, it's hard to see past him as the greatest player yeah. I played with. Well, speak, say, yeah. I don't think that's I don't think that's too groundbreaking to say. Um, we have another one from our social channels. Um, a question from Andrew Murphy: What's your favourite match that you've ever played in? Uh, I would say. Um, the best occasion I think I've played in was, um, and this is just a, a fortune of, 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 of the year and the time we were playing, was uh, being in the first season of playing at Croke Park. So uh, getting to play uh, the England match in Croke, in Croke Park, I think, was probably the best occasion, probably the best match. Now, yeah, I played, probably played in closer games or maybe games can be memorable for lots of different reasons, but for a pure occasion. Um, it was fantastic game and to play. And what year was that, didn't it? it was that was 2007, yeah. yeah. Wow. 2007, yeah. It's, uh, I was fantastic. It was, it, it was everything leading up to the game, the match itself, uh, and everything around it. It was, it was an incredible. That was emotional to watch. I can't yeah. imagine what it was like to play and yeah. like you know watching on a TV screen. Yeah. Even now looking back, you're like, oh, yeah. like so. I can't imagine what it was like for you. Like that's that multiplied by a million. Like you know, yeah. So. Like uh, one of the one of the. Um, one of the, the great things about uh, even post-match, you, you, you know, or even going all the way to, to the match, um, generally is you're driving in and around Lanson Road, you go down Shelburne Road and the, from the team bus, etc. And it's great, there's lots of, there's lots of there's big crowds and people outside the bars as you head into the, the game. And you know, the bus journey in is always fantastic. But one thing that stuck with me from that particular game was the bus journey back because the meal was in the Shelburne Hotel and the bus journey that the, the the route that we took on the way back took us to back down O'Connell Street, which was not obviously traditional, uh, you know, the route that the bus would yeah. take because obviously usually in and around Lansdowne Road, we'd be driving around Ballsbridge, uh, or in for, where our team hotel was out in um, Stillorgan. So just the uniqueness of driving down O'Connell uh, Street, there's a huge amount of fans still around because people were still coming back from the game, uh, coming back from Crow Park, and a huge amount of Irish. Uh, and English uh, rugby fans on O'Connell Street, which is mm. kind of atypical. Well, it's not usually where you associate uh, fans to be after mm. the match because they're usually in around Lansdowne Road. So that's the one. That's one memory really. Sounds like a scene out of a movie or yeah, something. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. Just, it's just such a symbolic. Occasion. Yeah, just so lucky just... to be playing in that era, you know, because yeah. obviously Ireland played there for a couple of seasons, but involving those first games was was really special. That's yeah. really cool. Oh, that's really cool. Mm. Um, so next question is something that kind of. I can relate to you're kind of before your time um, in influencing. So a lot of people have a lot of interest in relation to your Wavin pipe commercial you did in 2009. <laughs> I came up a lot actually. Yeah, the it, comes, it comes up regularly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of the one of the greatest honours I've ever won. I think I, I won the uh, um, second captain's uh, best worst 
uh, sports endorsement. Um, <laughs> they ran a whole section on it. They ran a whole section on uh, sports endorsements from the eighties and nineties. And you were so brilliant. And uh, yeah, I came out with the garlands from that one. There. With that oh, one, yeah. Hope you got paid for it anyway. <laughs> one of the yeah. I, I was actually my first time seeing it prepping for the show, and I was like, oh. Dennis, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Unless, of course, because we have a question in here from Robin Bogan, who wants to know, did you in fact actually use weapon pipe in your day-to-day -day life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 certainly one for the um, it's certainly one for YouTube, all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, we, the yeah. lads give you so much crap. Well, it, luckily there was a, well there was there was a, it was all by St Mary's. College teammates were uh, were in are the are the team so it was it was actually done to our rugby club oh. yeah. so uh, there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of other uh, uh, cameos in there as well if you look uh, if you look closely <laughs> but, uh, I took the heat in this day and age man you would have been eating alive on social know, media yeah. for that. <laughs> oh you got away with it yeah you got you got away with it yeah do, away, do, yeah. do you still have the jersey the weapon jersey friend at home no I lost it. I'd say you're nicely sick of everyone bringing that up now in the oh, pub. Man, and you just got to laugh at it. You know? it's, yeah, it's, 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 of, it's, yeah. it's of its time. I, I've done worse, lad. Don't worry about that. I've done plenty worse. Well, we've got another one here like from a, a former Leinster player who's a friend of the show and uh, we won't say who, but he said, uh, ask him about Reggie Corrigan's Thursday Point Club. <laughs> I wonder who that is, actually. I wonder who's sending in that text. Anonymous. Uh, I'm not sure there was any Thursday pie clubs, but there was probably Tuesday pie clubs. Like it wouldn't have been unusual. Um, it wouldn't be like I'm sure things have changed so much. But this is all pre-social media. Um, you get away with stuff. <laughs> like, um, like uh, smartphones. This is uh, most of my career was kind of pre all that, so it wouldn't have been unusual to have a like to go out on, if if you weren't playing like if if. If you usually have kind of a down day on a on a Wednesday, it wouldn't have been unusual to go in the big one on Tuesday. Then Huge, I really yeah, I found it really interesting. <laughs> and it wouldn't be, and it wouldn't be not limited to Reggie either, you know. Yeah, I actually found it really interesting that you say that because I watched a Roy Keane documentary with Gary Neville. He had an interview a couple of weeks ago. It's on YouTube, and most of his stories were like, "Yeah, we were out midweek having a yeah. few drinks, and then we play on yeah. a Saturday." I was like. What? Yeah. The top level of sport. Yeah, That's yeah. only a decade ago. Yeah, and we would have. And it, like, I'm not saying we were doing it every week. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah, but you would have. It wouldn't have been uncommon. Wouldn't have been uncommon. Yes, yeah, I, I remember O'Driscoll complaining there recently. He said that I think the last couple of years that kind of Super Sunday thing where you all go out on the, on, on the tear after the six inches. They don't do it anymore. He was like, uh, what? They couldn't do yeah. it anymore. I'd say. Um, yeah. I'd say they couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, the the mm. the, the yeah the Super Sunday going the uh, the day after the last. You usually go to Kells in St Anne Street, and uh, we'd be there all day. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, people just leave you alone and, and yeah, of you course. Away. But now, of course, that can't happen really can't anymore. Yeah. And, and so I don't, I don't, I don't envy that part of uh, being a professional sports mm. person now. And, and speaking all of their medals and championships, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 it's a shame that they can't let their hair that? down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And speaking about drinking yeah. on, on in rugby, you did you weren't on the Lions tour. If you mm. was there, what was the drinking culture like in that one? Well, the 2005 Lions tour was, um, is forgettable for lots of reasons because of uh, uh Dan character well i think it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's well it's kind of like i've i've no i've no beef with the fact that you know if you're not on a successful lions tour it's just it's not remembered it's okay. uh, it's all about you either they either win the series and it becomes a great lions tour or you don't um and we were absolutely hosed in the series uh in the in, in the three tests yeah. uh, i played in all of the uh, on the midweek mid side yeah. Um, and we had a good, we had actually had a good run on the midweek side. Like we 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 won all our games, and we had a good sort of score. We had a good, we had a good um, uh, kind of group of guys who were, you know, destined not to be playing on the test side, and kind of got <laughs> just got used to that fact. Yeah. But um, 
but we had like a, our, Ian McGeek was our coach. Uh, himself and Garen Jenkins was the coach at the midweek side. And didn't um, he famously not let you out for a few drinks during the week? I know, no, no. You could you could do whatever you wanted. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and that was to be fair. That was Clive Clive Woodward's um, philosophy. He was he was he was wasn't wasn't a micromanager of of uh, of, of people. You yeah, know, he was more into. Uh, and he, he, does, I think he was very aware. He'd been on Lions tours himself. He was aware of that. You know, trying to build a cult, the 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 bonding culture on a Lions tour is is the big challenge. You know, trying mm-hmm. to bring the team together, and that was the bit that we certainly I don't think we got right on that tour. Yeah. Um, and just the, the smallest kind of details, like England, for example, had obviously won the World Cup in two thousand and three, and he had brought a lot of his thinking from that. And one of the, one of the things that. England had brought in for, and it's, it seems like such a small detail was that England had all, they all had their own rooms. So in, in every international team that I certainly, or most teams I've ever played on, you didn't have your own, you shared, you know, like you shared with someone and, and, but England had, had their own rooms. And this is really, this is, you know, one of these small details that Woodward had tweaked and it had, you know, they, they'd won the championship. So yeah. for the Lions tour, we didn't room with anyone. Uh, which is which was so seen like, work on a Lions tour, like it's exactly. It's so, not a World Cup. A World yeah. Cup is yeah, but I mean, much yeah, more serious. It, it, looking back now, okay, these are things that didn't work. But he, I think, Clive Woodward just wanted to approach it very differently. And uh, if it had if if it had worked, he would have been seen as someone okay who made all these changes and that made yeah. the difference. So, um, but little things like that made it harder for the teams to gel. And yeah. um, so, but it was still like it was still. Leinster New Zealand was was uh, was um, it was it was pretty intense. Yeah, and out of interest, you said that it, you you felt like you weren't going to be playing in the Test match side, mm-hmm. and that group of lads that you kind of knew that did that make it a weird dynamic at training and stuff. Yeah, again, that was kind of that was one of the they took they took uh, probably three players more, four players more than 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 has, has you know, there's, there's no set number of players to start with the lines that lines yeah. um, uh, uh, tours have to be. Um, and usually you end up, you know, there's 45, 46, 47 players used by the end of a tour. Mm. So this was, the thing was to bring more people from the start, but that facilitated, facilitated then at midweek and, and, uh, and the two team full, that was kind of more, teams, more yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and two full teams that often didn't overlap, you know, train at different times as no well. And things like that. Yeah, That's... it kind of got a bit weird at, at a point in time, but, uh, and it's certainly not what I expected Lions Tour to be yeah. about because Lions Story had never been uh, about that beforehand, and actually have never been they about done that it since. Yeah. They done it, it since was an experiment that just that that uh, that just didn't uh, didn't work. Yeah. I remember Donica Allen was actually talking about that there only a few yeah. years ago, and he said they were called a, the midweek massive. Like he yeah. actually purposely split the teams in half. Yeah, yeah. Like. That's yeah. terrible. So I mean, you're literally like like you look at like why are Ireland getting so successful at the moment? That competition, like yeah. we were saying, like look how good Mac Hansen was. He knows James Lowe could come back in at the end of the, at this tournament yeah. at some stage. If mm. you know I'm in this test squad, mm. it doesn't matter. And then in the other, I was like, you have no chance of getting yeah. in. Well, I'm going to the pub, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tough, to stay, <laughs> tough to stay motivated. But. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Still but, at the Lions tour, though. But it was, yeah, day. like it yeah. was, it was what it was, you know. Yeah. It was, but it was, it was, it was, uh, trying to be too it was disappointing. Well, yeah. it, was, it was just a dip, disappointing not to, to, to have, um, to play better on the on the tour. Yeah. Like I, I'm not, I, I certainly don't uh, hold up the team structure or the way, the way, uh, um, the way the team is organised for my lack of getting a run on the test side. I wasn't playing very well, so yeah. uh, I didn't get a run. You're but still alive. It was, don't but it was, uh, yeah, but it, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was still a, it was still a, uh, 
it was still a pretty uh, unique tour to be on. Mm. Love hearing the old stories. Mm. Yeah. We could be sitting talking yeah. about it all day. Um, is it true that Victor Costello used to be pretty creative about getting out of the fitness sessions? <laughs> yeah. Can you tell like, us a bit about that? Yeah, like Victor's an explosive animal uh, in the sense that he likes short, sharp bursts of, of, uh, of like, he's, very kind of, he's a kind of power athlete. Big man. Um, <laughs> and uh, like, I think like lots of things that have evolved over years. You know, when professionalism first came in, it kind of, it was, it was uh, you know, obviously Victor played throughout a long span, but at the start it was, it was kind of very symptomatic of the way professionalism went, it was that one day people weren't professional, the next day they were professional. So that mm-hmm. means one day, one, they were training twice or three times a week, literally the next day we were all training three times a day. Jeez. So it took a long time for the IRFU to have to, for, to people to understand how to get the best out of particular athletes and how mm. to get people fit and fast. So it was very much a one-size-fits-all <laughs> uh, approach back then. So, uh, yeah, Victor's, Victor's was uh, more on the explosive. He liked to do the short, sharp <laughs> stuff, I say. Um, but but uh, that's, uh, he was pretty good at that. Dennis, am I right in saying that you were one of the first male um, athletes to be given a professional contract? Yeah, I was in the first. I was in the first round of yeah. professional contracts. Yeah, in two thousand and uh, in that sorry, two thousand ninety ninety seven. Wow, so the first so round, first first. Megan was one of the first women, so I was one of the first. Yeah, yeah. First men, the first yeah. women to get a professional yeah. contract. Yeah. So that's pretty it cool. Was, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. Like it was good at the time. I was just I was still in, still in college, and yeah. uh, then the game went. The game gone professional in. It was ninety five after the ninety five World Cup, but it it didn't go professional in Ireland till. That year, ninety seven. Yeah. So the first contracts came in ninety six, ninety seven. Can you remember what uh, your first contract was? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course I can. Never forget. <laughs> of course did, I can. Did you feel like I remember we asked Mad. you that when we had one of the first yeah. shows? We asked you about like the pressure, or like okay, you're yeah. in that first group of there are four E and mm. there's three of E. Yeah. Do you feel that extra pressure? Like okay, I'm literally like the first of three men to be handed a professional but, deal with rugby so, just, just so the fun. game itself just turned professional. Yeah, but I, I, I wasn't, there was, there was more than three. Mm. There Sorry. was three national, con- there was three, Apologies. there was a couple of different layers uh, and I was in the top tier, there was three in the top tier. Yes. Uh, but then there was another, There was I think there was three or four tiers okay. uh, at that stage and it all happened around the same time. Um, and I would have been delighted to get any uh, contract mm. at that stage. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was. It was. What kind of money are we talking here? <laughs> good money. money. Good money. Yeah, 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 good. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it was good. Give uh, us a figure. Give I'll, us tell a you, I'll tell you after. Ah, I'll tell you after. We always after. Can't ask him to do that now. I'll tell you after. But it was. It was. It was like the. Everyone listening wants to know. I'm sure they do. Yeah. No. It was. Yeah. There were the 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 one of the unusual things about professional rugby at that stage was that. You were you were contracted nationally. There was not. They didn't have provincial. Con- they had sorry. They had provincial contracts, but mm. there was only a certain amount of professional people in each province. So, like when Mike Ruddock was our coach, it wouldn't have been unusual for uh, for like eight or nine people to be training, because everyone there was there was probably only eight eight or nine professional players in each province. Jeez. I remember so we were like there was that. Am- yeah. There was only sometimes three or four of us. Would be contracted, and we would just be yeah. getting our fitness and working. And then other players coming in, and leaving, other players right? would yeah. gradually come in. Yeah. You know, every week maybe someone new would come, and yeah. then eventually we had like 12, 13 players. And it's like, right, yeah. we can play games now. Yeah, it was crazy. It's like yeah. that story yeah. where I think it was at Marcus Horn and Dunnock O'Gallan when they were at Munster. There was only a certain amount of contracts, and Bowden wanted to play, so they have the contract. Mm. 
But like it wasn't even like they said the figure, it wasn't much at the time. It was like a fifty thousand contract and something like yeah, right, we'll just take twenty five each so we can play for a season and see if we're good enough and then you can give us a contract yeah. next year. But yeah. that's the way it was, like, you know, to have yeah. their contract. Like it's, it's 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 you know, it's small money compared to what would have been what's what's a senior contract now. But yeah. at the time it was good money, yeah. The top players now are are making really good money, which they should be, because they probably should be making more than they're making. Mm. Um but it's it's limited by 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 things outside of their control. Unfortunately, yeah. the pool of the pool of of, of sponsorship and money yeah. is only so big. Yeah. Let's not get me started about sevens money. We move on to the next question. Yeah. Uh, Brennan would like to know who is the toughest player you've ever played with. Toughest player. Yeah. Um, Again, played, there's been a lot of. I suppose there's there's the um, there's the there's the tough player and then there's the hard man. You know, there's kind of people sometimes mix up both. There's people who are incredibly durable who never right. get injured, like a Driscoll or something like that. Yeah, like, like a, a yeah, exactly. Just yeah, you, know, you, you could, so you could say at one level. Like, I, I, I luckily played with Trevor Brennan throughout my career, as opposed to ever having to play <laughs> against him, uh, both yeah. at club and province and uh, and for and for Ireland. Um, uh, you know, you. you uh, of some of the, some of the, I suppose the the, the more the more famous characters uh, in that category would be people like Peter Cossey who played with in the first yeah. co- first couple of seasons, um, but there are other players as well who just never get injured, uh, uh, who which is an incredible skill answer. People like Shane Byrne, like Shane Byrne never get it, like just never injured, um, and you you need guys who can just continually play, never pick up injuries. Doesn't matter how much they get bashed, that they're always getting up and playing and. Um, so yeah, there was a, there was there was a couple of couple of uh, I said hard players and tough players, you know. Tough, durable. Yeah. The best ability is availability. Yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, so SP Myler would like to know of all the tries that you've scored in your career, you've twenty nine international ones, you've countless with Leinster. Which one is your favourite? International try. Um, or probably Leinster. Or, yeah, just in general. Uh, well, I, I think there's again. You, you remember things for different reasons. The uh, probably, if I'm known for any try, it'd probably be a Lens- the Leinster try against Toulouse. That's probably regarded as a, a you know for from other people as the, uh, the try they associate with me most, which is a fantastic team try. I'm always happy to talk about it, but I always like if people talk about they, they you need to start at the start of the of the play. Like it's you know the ball yeah. changes hands, it goes from team to team. It's you know starts at one end, it goes back, goes back up the other end. Um, so it's not just obviously the the running at the end. What uh, um, is what for me what makes it such a good try? Uh, as I said, because the ball changed hands and like I, I've looked at video a couple of times and as you can imagine. But you know, and another day the referee blows up for you know the ball was knocked back and forward and two hands. <laughs> and another time you just don't the, the referee just doesn't play on you know, and he can go against it, but. That was that was a that was a fantastic uh, team try. It was yeah. it was a great occasion, great day that day. So to score a try like that in, in a game like that, uh, it certainly was uh, was probably my highlight for Leinster. But um, I suppose from a, from a different perspective, far less spectacular try was the first try scored for Ireland. My my first cap in. Yeah. in I'm so old. I actually played in the Cardiff Arms Park. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's how old I am. So it was in the old wow. Cardiff Arms Park. Yeah, the last season before they before they t- tore it down. 
Amazing. That's yeah. actually gas that you mentioned the, the Toulouse yeah. try because when we're doing our research before here, we're upstairs at the producers and we're looking back and I go, yeah. lads, have you seen his try against Toulouse? Yeah. If, he, if he doesn't say that, we'll, we'll mention that. Like, but like, <laughs> I think for everyone, like it's just, yeah. I remember, because I, I hadn't seen it myself in ages and I was watching yeah. it just for a I was like, man, that's some try. Yeah. Just the speed you had like, to, and the, yeah. just the balls to go on the outside and just go twinkle toes along the sideline and yeah, back in and back out. Uh, it really is, it really is. But on, on, sticking on the same subject, so we've got a, a final question from Romo. Whatever that is, their username or whatnot. But uh, they want to know: Did you prefer your 2001 New Zealand try or your 2006 try against Australia? So I can remember two of them, two very good tries. Um, can you remember them? I, I probably the 2006 one. I'd say I can't actually remember 2001 try against <laughs> New Zealand. I don't think it was that spectacular. Um, though any try against New Zealand is good to get. But uh, yeah, the, probably the try against um, uh, Australia was was I had a little bit more to do. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks. Well, you've had some unbelievable tries. Thanks very much for answering all those questions. So moving on I hope to... I hope I haven't incriminated myself or others too much. In that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. So we, could, we could have talked for ages about yeah. all your memories and stories. Yeah. Like, but yeah, we have to get on to the URC because there was yeah. a rescheduled match. Uh, Ulster and Connacht played and Ulster were really, really impressive, especially the likes of Lowry and, and Balakoon. What did you make of that match, Dennis? Uh, I think Ulster are, are, have... You know, Ulster endured a couple of tired years um, on and off the pitch, and with the John O'Gibbs leaving, you know, really kind of set them back. Uh, and they had a big change in their squad, and you were wondering when they were going to turn the corner with McFarland. You're kind of wondering were they ever going to turn the corner? But this season, they've, mm. I think, and it's been built on. Uh, and to be fair, this was this was this was maybe their their Achilles heel. It's been built on a core group of homegrown players that have come through. Mm. And are really exciting. They've got some really exciting backs. Um, Vermullen coming in just gives them that little bit more beef. I think. I think that that will still be their their challenge uh, if they go further in Europe. Um, just you know, they 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 certainly beefed up their pack. Mm. Probably could do with another big second row. Mm. Um, they were supposed to be. They were actually supposed to be in the microphone and them and all. They were saying at the yeah, start of the season they couldn't get. A you could one. expect if they if they could if they could do that. And, and that's that's probably you know they've they've got three fine second rows there. Mm. You know, um, and Alan O'Connor, who's the who's um, probably the, the, the from a representative perspective has has probably achieved the le- at least he's the beating heart of the team. He's the captain, so he's obviously bringing a lot uh, to what they do. And he's, a lot of their successes, you know, he's been leading from the front on that. Mm. Um, but. The match against Connacht, getting back to that, you know, it's 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 another it's another example of how they've they've progressed. They're they've made uh, uh, you know, ra- you know, the old Ravenhill now the Kingspan mm-hmm. was always a very tough place to play, but you just kind of get the, the sense of the form they're in at the moment um, uh, between what they've done to the forwards and their exciting backs. You know, they 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 just were too much for Connacht and mm-hmm. Connacht. I I really like the way Connacht play. I think uh, Andy Friend really um, tries to get them to play good rugby. And they do try to to, to 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 play, but they just in the last couple of matches they've they just have looked a little bit off the pace. They were mm. going very well in Europe. I think losing that um, that match uh, in Paris really kind of knocked their confidence a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, then they, they they've had kind of two two less than less than uh, positive results and on, on, on the road then back in the league yeah. and. Uh, you know, I'd say the disruption of Six Nations is something that... You're a different team with. without Cartier yeah. as well, like, and yeah. without Aki and without Hansen, you Exactly. Know. Especially your 10 is such a pivotal player, yeah. like, you they, take it, him out. It's a strength, maybe the depth, they just haven't quite got that, um, but I'd say Andy Friend will be yeah. concerned about getting them back on track. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think you all agree, though, Balakoon. 
Unbelievable. He had a fantastic game and he was trying things. He was trying to get around. It was unfortunate he ran into his own player at that one time, (laughs) but he was really trying to make space and that try, Mm. the the speed of him. Yeah, what's really interesting about Robert Balakun is that he started with the sevens team. Did you play him with the sevens? I played with him, yeah. Yeah. So years ago, I remember this this tall, lanky guy coming in and he was from up the north. We were like, who's it? And he was standing (laughs) over in the corner, like throwing the ball to himself, didn't really get involved. And to be honest, his skills were really bad when he first came in. And then he just took off. Like yeah. just his the he just really just tuned in and he just became one of the best players like within a season. Mm-hmm. And now look at him, he's probably gonna play feature in the Six Nations, is he? Yeah, like I, I think he, he's very much a um he's very much an athlete who's turned into a rugby player. Uh, yeah, you know, obviously he was a sprinter and he had the physique of a sprinter. And um I thought at the start I, you know, I was I just hadn't seen enough of him when I saw him. I wasn't sure if he was gonna mm. be able to make the the, the step up to the to, towards the national side, but Obviously, he, he missed a bit of rugby last year, but this season he's come back. He put on a bit of size, um, and obviously everyone talks about his pace. And that that try at yeah. the weekend was incredible, like a fifty, a fifty meter. Um, I think we actually sprint. we have a clip of that yeah. try actually. Yeah, We're rolled up there. It's going to be our try of the week for this week. Mm. Helped by Alan O'Connor. Good latch by O'Connor. Here's Burns for McCluskey. Nice little pass for Michael Laurie running under the ball. So yeah, I mean, absolutely cracking joints. Yeah, cracking joints. And just, just great wheels, like just incredible raw pace. Um, and at such, like at, at, the, at the highest level, if you can get players who can finish like that, that that's where you're going to win, win your games. But I think, to be fair to Robert Balakun, he's, he's, he, what he's done in the other parts of his game are, are probably what have uh, impressed me most this year. Like, uh, in, in, in probably epitomised most by that match against, um, what I saw him in the Northampton match away. You know, he fought really hard for that try, he scored that first try again, a lot of cover, and he showed a lot of power to be able to get in the corner for the try in that first half. And then that second half, uh, I think it was for Larry's try, he was able to get between defenders and offload. Mm-hmm. So again, the, these kind of aspects of the game, th- things that obviously he's worked on, he's worked on his strength, mm. he's worked on his skills, clearly. Mm. Uh, and um, he'd be there, thereabouts, I'd say, for, for a run this season. You know, he's, he's unfortunate, like, uh, his, uh, 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 you know, obviously Andy Farrell's fortune is, is his misfortune in the sense that there's so many players. There's no yeah, in the back three. Yeah. There's a lot of really, really competitive, top quality internationals yeah. in the back three at the moment on the wing. So, but he, I'd say his time will come. Yeah. We were talking about last week the strength and depth that the the, the, the nines at the moment. Yeah. Even in, I was really impressed with the nine from Connacht this week. He's um, yeah, I mean, yeah. tackling was outstanding. He got a fantastic try. Uh, sorry, a fantastic tackle to stop the try-in from um, the Ulster player, um, Doak, yeah. and it was unbelievable. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, no, it's and, good. And Nathan Doak up man of the match as well. Like, yeah, so yeah. Like, scrum halves are playing really, really well. Yeah, it's not much of a single. But it's interesting you say about Balikin there as well. Like he's so multifaceted across all our wingers. Like they're. They've all got so many tools that are in, in their locker. Like you look at Anson, you look at Balakoon, you look at Lowe, like you look at Conway. They're not just one-dimensional try-scoring winners, like wingers. They can do everything. Like and it's yeah. we seem to have five or six wingers like that now. Like we're mm. literally slotted anywhere across the back line, yeah. which is unheard of. I think to have that many in a team. Normally you have one or two wingers yeah. that are that are that multi-skilled. Mm. But uh, yeah, and Lowry really impressed me as well. I thought yeah. he had an exceptional game. Whatever he must be really confident coming out of the Irish camp. Like he 
It was caught in open conduct, like they were. It yeah. looked like it was a man against boys, like two or three times. Yeah. He just cut straight yeah. through. Um, so I'd say it just. The, would you say it's coming from him being an Irish camp, just making him feel confident? Well, I think he was very like he he had fantastic form going into the Irish camp. You, you kind of feel with guys like Hume and, and and Larry that they need to get a run this year for Ireland because sometimes you can have fantastic seasons, mm. and it's hard to keep keep them going. Uh, and sometimes the you know if you if, if if it's your season and you're just playing really fantastic, yeah, if you don't get a run, if you don't get a run, it can be it can pass you by or it can be a bit uh, demotivating. So, not that the Six Nations or international rugby is a is a is the arena to give people a run out, um, but hopefully they'll you know hopefully his his um, opportunity will come will come. Do you think we'll way. see these kind of guys play against Italy in the third round? Well. Yeah, it, 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 it's... It's the obvious choice, really, isn't it? You, you could say that that... They, like, I don't think, as I said, any national coach is going to want to chop and change his team too much just for the sake of it, um, just to give guys a run. I said, like, international yeah. rugby isn't really... I just don't think it's about giving guys a run out. But like, I think there is a couple of guys who would fit into the squad and fit into the team and, and would be able to step up. And, you know, probably those two, Hume and, Hume and, um, and uh, Larry. Larry, would be two. I'd say he'd be there, thereabouts. Yeah. Mm. But when, when are these guys going to get experience at international level before the World Cup next year? Like, it's autumn internationals, maybe? Yeah, That's I'm not it. sure. There's a, is it a tour to New Zealand this summer? Yeah, tour to New Zealand this summer, so three tests. Three tests. And are you going to bring those guys to New Zealand? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure because, uh, well... I think they'll have to bring a big squad to take three if they're going to play three tests. But mm. it's um, they're definitely looking up towards that World Cup next year. Now that's what kind of yeah. prepping for, really. Yeah, you don't, and obviously touring as it is these days, you don't have any other games apart from test test matches. It's not like that. So, yeah, they, the would, they, would they possibly try and throw in a midweek in there against the club if they can, if it's possible? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, Probably well, too late for that. Well, I'm sure it's yeah. it's it's either it's gonna it's either scheduled to happen or it's not going to yeah. happen. But um, it's it's. One of the drawbacks, I suppose, of the 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 obviously how packed the season is, you just don't have you don't have the bandwidth for those those yeah. types of tours anymore. Definitely, yeah. definitely. So there's two other results in the in the ORC. Obviously, the South African side. So uh, the Stormers beat the Sharks uh, 2010, and the Bulls beat the Lions 21-13. But we're going to move on now to. Uh, the rugby news of the week and the big one was something we talked about last week I don't know if you might have seen this or not Dennis um, mm. the Craig Gilroy citation so we were very much I was like I don't know how the hell that wasn't a red card last week yeah. but he has been cited but the interesting part of it was obviously we explained it last week like the reason he was cited the reason he's been done for this and the reason it's been bought a red card is there is mitigation there but he comes in with a, with, with a hard shoulder with force it was very dangerous mm. it was a red card but interestingly he got a four-week ban, but they were bringing it down to two weeks. But then at the hearing, he goes, no, I disagree, and I don't think that should be banned. So they brought it back up to four weeks, and they wouldn't give him the show. Yeah, I read that. I wasn't sure if if, if they were saying he, he disagreed with it on the pitch or if it was at the hearing. I wasn't yeah. sure, but if you're saying it was at the it's hearing... hearing so basically, he basically disagreed with your decision to, to upgrade it from a yellow to a red. Yeah, yeah. well, I suppose he, he was, he was, he was uh, appealing it, uh, and obviously the Ulster Rugby thought he should appeal it. But... I, to be honest, I, I don't have as much. I don't have a problem with the referee getting that wrong on the day because, yeah. first of all, the you know what's happened can, can always happen. So there is there is now a uh, a, a pathway for you know a, maybe a decision that 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 should have been different to be cited, right? So you know if if something needs to be rectified and, a team, and, a, and somebody needs to be punished for foul play, there's a pathway to do it. I, I, I'm I would be I think on balance there's been much more. I've seen much more um, decisions by referees 
uh, which I would have thought a much more marginal, and guys getting a yellow card or red card. So I, I think, to, to, to be fair to Piper, he's had a look at it, he's taken a view. I'd much prefer referees to actually stick with what they thought as opposed mm-hmm. to you know, going through this, well, you know, trying to get the, the TMO to make the decision mm. or the touches to make a decision. And uh, you know, we, the, the reality is somebody gets sent off in a match, the game changes and can, can usually changes the contest. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's not to, in, in this particular case, it's not to excuse a foul play that was. No. It may, You're it may making a fair point. I think like I said, Piper's a good referee. Yeah. He was the referee yesterday in the Ireland Wales match as well. Like, he stuck to his gun on the, on the day, like yellow card, probably fair. But when we go back and we analyse it and That's we look funny, at it, yeah. it was a red card. Yeah. So I think Gilroy is a bit silly to try and complain there mm. and try and, and he, like, what was he expecting the game from that? Like, he was, yeah. yeah, what I find mad is that he obviously argued his case for the last couple of weeks, being like, oh, it, it's not a red card. And yes. then they give it to him and he's yeah. just supposed to accept, oh, yeah, it is a red card. And to drop it down to two weeks. Yeah. He's obviously not going to change his argument. But that well, he's not, you're not really, he doesn't have to accept it. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just. But that's it's, what they wanted him to do. Yeah, you're just saying he just accepts. I think as well, like, it's not, I wouldn't want to get the impression that, you know, you've got Craig Gilroy standing up. On his own goal, I just I disagree. Like no, these, these are these are quasi legal. Yes, yeah. Mm. And they're 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 really probably overpowered um, uh, disciplinary. Pro- the disciplinary process is pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy duty. You know, you've got lawyers, you've got a panel, you've got people arguing the minute of the decision. You've got mm. a huge amount of footage. You've got like nineteen cameras at each game, whatever that is. Um, so they're quite high powered. So if 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 it's Craig Gilroy is objecting, it's actually really Ulster will be taking yeah. them going, saying yeah. we think there's mitigating circumstances and this is the appeal we're we're putting in. So, you know, That's he's he has to go along with it, really. Yeah. 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 Uh, other big news. Um, interesting. Uh, Neve Briggs being named the women's assistant coach. What do you think of her? Her getting that role. I mean, she's she's been around a while. She knows her stuff. Yeah, she's been um, appointed with um, the coach Williams, and it's a great team. Like. Together, the two of them, she's got great experience because he coached her back in when they were in the World Cup for years. So they have a really good relationship. And Neves brought on um, Monster mm. this season to to uh, the Champions yeah. win. So she's um, she's a co- she's, she's a, a coach. assistant coach. She's Monster, assistant coach. Right? Yeah. yeah, and um, and the, very well and the full-time coach of 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 Bo- she's the head coach of Bowles, is it? Oh, UL Bowes. Um, UL Bowes, yeah. And then she did Munsters uh, this season as well. Excellent. And um, yeah, the girls are actually in camp. They're doing a screening camp this weekend. Mm. Um, I think there's about 40 players um, getting screened, trying different players out. It's kind of like a trial basis as well, which is great to see. A lot of the players are still over in the UK playing uh, Premiership this weekend. And they're just exposing players to that high-end rugby. And um, it's going to be... Think things are changing in, in the coming together at the slowly, moment. Yeah, yeah, the it's really as well, like last and, week and, and Briggs has been a part of that for years, so yeah, she really has a good insight yeah. to what's going on. And in, in the women's rugby, are they still trying to get players from like Gaelic and soccer and? Not as far as they, not as far as I know, is what they used to. That was a big thing back when I started the sevens. Um, is trying to transfer players from Gaelic and and football and stuff. But um, they're not. They're really focusing on the players that we have that are in club coming up from underage. Yeah. That's the main focus because that's what you want. Those basic skills from rugby grassroots. You, yeah, you can't buy that experience. Like obviously, someone yeah. could be an unbelievable at like a Gaelic football, but you can't just throw them then into an international rugby match. So. I know it's it's happened. Yeah, they have tried it. We've tried it and. And, um, you know, there has been players on the back of that saying that are phenomenal rugby players now. Like, they've trained yeah. and they've earned their spots on the 
on the team, hundred percent. So it's not to say that that doesn't work. The learner, um, but at the moment there's yeah. there's players that are playing rugby who are young, they're fit, and they're playing really well at the club level. They should be given a chance to. Um, yeah. Yeah, trial for the Irish team, and but that's what they're doing. It's really cool to hear that there's so many women playing rugby at that level that you can bring in 40 players and screen yeah, them. Yeah, it's like, amazing. It's unreal, isn't it? It's yeah, really it's big things coming for the 15 side, yeah, hopefully. Really looking forward to it. Follow the sevens. Yeah, definitely. They kick off in, in, in the end of March, so that's going to be great. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Um, other news there, it's great to see um, Six Nations donating 100,000 to the relief efforts over in Tonga. So obviously we know about the tsunami over in Tonga. They've also set up a dedicated website, sixnationsrugby.com forward slash Tonga, if you want to go on and donate and help them out for with medical kits and cooking sets and hygiene kits and whatnot. Amazing. But uh, and then sticking out of the, the subject of Tonga, uh, a man who's recently switched over to Tonga, your good pal, who uh, <laughs> you uh, made mincemeat of in, in the sevens. But uh, yeah. Malachi Fekitoa is finally it's been confirmed that he's after signing for Munster. Yeah, so what, do you, what do you make of that, Dennis? Yeah. Is that it's a big I mean, signing for them, obviously yeah. with Delande. Looks like he's going to be moving on, and uh, he's going to Japan. Isn't yeah, he yeah. looks like he's going to Japan, or either way, he's not going to be a monster next year. But yeah. those things, and it, you know, he's he's like he's a proper world class player. Delande, he's been fantastic for all the teams he's played for. Yeah. So he's going to be a big, uh, a big, big loss. Yeah. But they've moved quickly, and obviously to get a, another marquee player yeah. uh, in in Fakatoa, who's obviously highly experienced, World Cup winner. Um, I'm not sure he would have the same impact as Delande will have because you know he's a he's a current international playing at the peak of his powers, but it's a really strong signing for them, um, yeah. and uh, it certainly give their confidence a lot of squad uh, their, their squad a lot of confidence that the fact they've been able to move so quickly to to recruit someone of that sort of yeah. stature. Definitely keeping Simon then as well, like but very different player for Kato. I mean, he's more of a 13. Delande is your real like solid 12, and mm. then. Farrell, they're probably going to have to push Farrell back to 12 maybe or maybe start Scanlon instead because I don't see Fekitoa filling that 12 mm. but he probably could look I mean he's, he's pretty all black at the end of the day mm. but. Yeah. You wouldn't be overly happy if you were in Munster if you're Chris Farrell you have Rory Scanlon you have Dan Goggin yeah. you have like there's fellas in there like the, there's going to be pushed back now again so obviously it's great having these big marquee signings which come in and it's cool to have academy players training with the likes of Fekitoa but does it kind of like say to the Munster lads, ah, we don't back you, we're going to bring in it? Well, I think every, all the, all the provinces have built success around getting the right balance between bringing in marquee players and bringing through their own players. Mm. Uh, and it's a delicate balance. Um, I think some, some teams have probably suffered, like Ulster probably overdid it for a while. Yeah. Um, and it was to the detriment to bring through the players to the point you're making. Yeah. And they've seemed to have got the balance right and you can see these you know these guys who are coming through. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a big squad. It's a big squad. You need a big mm. squad. And I think to have guys like that in, in your squad, I think it's... it's, it's I, I take your point about the fact that there's somebody who's going to be yeah. discommoded by the fact that they, they see that as their uh, as their position. Like, but there's a lot of rugby yeah. to be played. Dan Goggin just saw, re-signed with Munster, and like if Fekitoa is in there, Chris Farrell's in there. What he's going to be playing a rugby like or playing for your own Munsters? Where mm. he's been with Munster for how long now? Surely yeah. it's time to go, Dan. Now let's go. Let's see it. Still, at the end of the day, you still need four centres in there. Yeah. And I suppose maybe if, if if someone anyone picks up an injury, like you're only one injury away, or if Fekitoa's playing for for Tonga, or if, he's, <laughs> Tonga, if, yeah. if there's a few other games, if there's other games yeah. on, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. the, the fixtures are coming hard and fast mm. these days with the URC and Champions Cup and Six Nations. Like what if Farrell goes to Six Nations? So, yeah, and, but at the end, I mean, what Farrell can't here, even get into the Six Nations squad now, like, true, yeah. true. But I mean, what age is Dan? Dan is what 20, is he 25, 26, 25? 27. 
what's he going to learn off someone like Fekitoa you know it's gonna, yeah. if anything it's going to bring his game up like to be trained alongside him yeah, yeah I, think, I think Greg's point like I don't think he probably wants to learn too much more I'd say yeah, rather just be playing learning from another legend yeah. you know I'm sure he's learned a lot from De- Delande yeah. but I, I think to your point I think there's a lot of rugby and you know there's a lot of games to go around at the yeah. moment so even like sorry I know I'm getting very into it now but there's fellas <laughs> like fellas like Alex McHenry who was with Munster and because they, t- they had too many players there they loaned him out to Wasps for this season he mm. played really well in Wasps and then they didn't have a contract for him Wasps so he's back in Munster now he's a centre that's 25 that can play ball he's actually good friends with Fekitoa now after being in Wasps and like why can't you give him a contract put him into the centre do you know what I mean he's born and bred from Cork yeah. I know. I just get very passionate. But I'm like, why are we giving these guys 100, 200 grand to come over when you, we have good enough players in Ireland? There's a lot more than 100, 200 grand. To <laughs> Keep going. Over yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can tell you that much. Yeah, so I read the 100 grand they gave the time. Sorry, I think head. it's. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, why? Just stop paying these guys. And also, sorry, I'm going to get a bit worked up now. But also, in Connacht, Andy Friend just keeps bringing guys up from Australia. Like, he's brought over two Australian sevens players when you have some of the best sevens players in the world sitting in Dublin. Jordan Conroy sitting on. Sitting in his arse or dancing and dancing with the stars, and he's he's, <laughs> he's the top yeah, right. try scorer in the world. Terry Kennedy, top impact player in DHL in the Sevens World Series, yeah. and they're flying guys up from Australia. I'm like, yeah, like fine with Mac Hansen because he's Irish qualified, but these other guys, I'm just like, the few need to start backing their own players. Mm. I just get really worked up because I just think. Well, well it, right. it's certainly a legitimate point that the Sevens was 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 seen uh, certainly at its inception as a pathway for bringing players through. Yeah. And yeah. if that is the case. Like what more does Jordan Conroy have to do? But, but it seems like a separate side, the, top like the, in the odd world. player coming through. Like as well, it seems like yeah. Ruby Keenan's whatnot coming through. But to me, to me it seems like two very different teams. Yeah, he would. But like, the only the thing, those guys, Hugh Keenan's and Shane Daly's, Will Connors, the only reason, and the if you are using it, being like, oh, the sevens pathway, these guys are already contracted with Leinster and stuff. They're just yeah. get brought back. Of course. Whereas guys who are just sevens contracted, no one, none of them are getting an opportunity. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? It's just. It's just, sorry, what do you think? It's okay. I know, I just think it's great. <laughs> no, Even it's for instance, like, flying a guy 30 hours from yeah. Australia up to Ireland when there's guys sitting in Dublin that would do the job, like, do you yeah. know what I mean? I know. What do you think? I think you guys summed that up really well about Munster, but news just in, France are playing Italy at the moment and they're 73 minutes in, beating Italy 30-10. And we're told it's tricky conditions over there in Paris. It's really, really rainy, so it's, it's looking good. Yeah, yeah, but look, I mean, come here, look, they, look, they went training ahead, Italy got themselves back into it. Italy were 7-3 ahead after 24 minutes. So, but, like, coming into the last quarter, France got their bonus points, so after 68 minutes with... Who else? Demi Apeno, who I think is probably Class. the best winger forward slash 12, slash yeah. 13, wherever you put him. So he's the guy, I'm. he seems to play on the right wing today. He's a guy I'd be, mm. well, I mean, he's a guy I'd be scared of for Ireland yeah, for next yeah. week. Yeah, he's, he's, and he's kind of an array, he's kind of a, He's an unusual looking build even for for a winger. He doesn't, uh, you know, he's he's obviously very athletic and he's 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 strong, but he just has he looks heavy, a bit of an old school look about him, you know. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. He's a fantastic player, and he can play, you know, he can play. uh, He plays a bit, and he can play in the centre as well if he needs to. But but, um, yeah, he's an incredible, been incredible form for Claremont. Uh, I think he was injured a bit last year. He was, yeah. Yeah, and um, but it didn't. It certainly hasn't seemed to slow him down. He's Mm. absolutely class. He's an amazing. Instinct for try, uh, yeah. try scoring, yeah. uh, and if he's playing against Ireland next week, um, he's certainly a player they're going to have to watch. Interesting, though, I will if it if it does come down to it, look, I know they got their bonus point, which they're expected to get, like, but thirty ten, like, with only a few minutes to go, like, so even if they do manage to get another try, like, that's not a huge margin against Italy, like, and I know we hate knocking Italy, like, but 
you know, yeah. Ireland could put 50, 60 points past Italy yeah. and so can Wales and so can Scotland and so can England, whatever. And yeah. it, it could come down to that. France probably would have expected a bigger score margin there if it does come down to the points difference, as you said. Yeah, well, they certainly won't be, they certainly um, won't be happy that there there was an opportunity maybe to to, to, to score more. Obviously, we haven't seen the game. Yeah. Um, Italy are rebuilding at the moment. and They've, they've been bringing, their underage teams are, are, are getting better and better. Um, and I think their captain is this year is he 21 yeah. 22 he's a very young so they're, they, they really are trying to make in more changes Kieran Crowley the coach there who was um, the coach of, of Benetton only for a couple of seasons mm. and they asked him to take the job which he's taken on um, so it's it's it'll be interesting to see where Italy fall out this year because they're, sure. they're they unfortunately had gone from being you know very competitive when they entered the Six Nations mm. um, to being you know they were they went through a period of being competitive but not uh, not you know snatching win the odd win they, they haven't been really competitive the last two 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 seasons or certainly since Paris has left mm. um, so they do need to have a, a have a have a competitive season uh, this year and maybe this is a start of start of yeah. uh, performances like that, it'll be interesting to watch this back like whether it was just the conditions or whether or not Italy actually gave them a good game yeah well to score, to, watch, to score 10 points in Paris in, in mm. bad conditions that's decent like so you know what I mean yeah. so definitely yeah. definitely. so that's look right. let's, I think that's all we have time for unfortunately I think you're probably sick of us a decision it's you <laughs> no <laughs> we're off for another hour were we but I know it was great to have you on Dennis appreciate it like thank you very much yeah thanks very much Dennis for all your insight thanks a lot you're very good yeah and of course a big thank you to our sponsors Bank of Ireland proud supporters of the four Irish provinces and until next week guys thanks very much we'll see you next week guys for Ireland versus France Joe presents House of Rugby United Rugby Championship together with Bank of Ireland proud supporter of the four Irish provinces (laughs) 